Okay, sports and songs segment of uh, Facebook post, social media reviews on different items we've posted through the last week on stuff. Uh, <clears throat> we'll start with high school sports here in Minnesota. High school, Minnesota State High School League has set out their rules, guidelines for the fall sports, uh, changing some things. Some sports are going to be going on, some aren't. This is being recorded on August 8th, so Saturday, so things very well could change. But uh, as of then, the dates they got going. Approved fall sports, tennis for girls, soccer boys and girls, cross-country boys and girls, and swimming and diving girls. Uh, all with projected start dates of August 17th, first competitions the 27th. Uh, end dates, end of October, mid-end of October for all of them. Uh, dual meets only for swimming, no invites. There's no invites for any of them, no invites tournaments. Uh, soccer has a maximum of 11 players, a maximum of two games a week. Conference and section teams only for all of these. And uh, you're probably going right now, um, Andy, you, you didn't cover football there. And that's right. That's part of the deal for the Minnesota State High School League. Football's got pushed to a spring sport along with volleyball. Um I don't know if there's any plans of changing it after that. Right now, they're just saying spring for those two sports. How that's going to affect everything all otherwise for the high school sports, I don't know. That's the plan they're going with right now. Am I a fan of it? I guess I'm a fan of whatever they want to have go with. That It was agreed upon by the majority. Obviously, one person didn't come up with this idea said, we're doing this, too bad, deal with it. I'm sure there's a lot of conversation went in with all the coaches, conferences, ADs, and this is what they're going with. This is their plan. Is it a popular one? Probably not. Probably not with us. With the fans, it's not. With the parents, it's not. But you know what? It, it, it's not about the parents. And in a way, it's not about the kids. It's kind of about the safety of everybody for all this stuff. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it, but if this is what they want to do and this is going to keep a majority of the people happy, they think, go with it. And you know what? I don't like it either, but we got to play, play the cards you're dealt. Um, let's go to these sports. Let's enjoy them. Let's support the kids. That's what that's what it's all about. Yeah, you don't hear a lot of people going to the tennis matches or the swimming and the diving meets. But you know what? If you don't go to them but you see them out there, support them. If they're selling coupon books for their team, buy them. They, they need their support as much as the football and the volleyball teams do. So uh, don't take it out on these kids by shaming them or poo-poo them for their sport getting played and not yours, not their, not the kid's fault. So just keep that in mind as you're cheering them on or not cheering them on, however you want to handle it. Uh, speaking of football, college footballs we covered last week, we said, hey, the Gopher schedule's out, and here it is. Well, the Big Ten said not so fast. Um, they've changed the schedule. Um, they've revised it. It's going to be ten games. Um, they are having, they are scheduling a Big Ten football championship game for December fifth. They start week one as the September third through fifth games. Uh, as for the Gophers, they start out with a pretty tough schedule to start with. Um, not that the other teams are cakewalks at the end. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just going to say it. They start with a tough schedule. They start uh, Michigan State, Michigan, Iowa, Wisconsin, Nebraska. Indiana, then they get their bye week. Then it's 
Purdue, Illinois, bye week, Northwestern, and Maryland. So second half of the season seems a little, I hate to say easier, not put down their teams, but easier. It's the second half. They could hold their own those first six games. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Indiana. They can come out of that four and two. They're in sweet shape, I think. Um, the bye weeks, 10 and 11 is when every, either you have 10 or 11 off the first couple of weeks. It's all kind of spread out. I don't know if that's going to do with other sports or travel or how they why they figured that. That's the schedule the Gophers are facing this year for college football. Um, we did put a link up on the page for all your all the Big Ten teams on there. All 12, 14 Big Ten teams are on there. Um, schedule's out. They are listing a Big Ten championship game, which I'm assuming will be the whoever wins the West against whoever wins the East. It's kind of being positive on that, that, hey, we're going to have a football playoff, some bowl games. Let's hope that goes, but that looks like the plan right now. Speaking of Gophers and college sports, they did announce... For the National College Baseball Hall of Fame 2020 inductee Paul Molitor, number 11 for the Gophers when he played. Um, yeah, he wore number four in the majors, but with the Gophers, he was number 11. So uh, Molitor, who's already in the Pro Baseball Hall of Fame, will now be making the uh, National College Baseball Hall of Fame as a 2020 inductee for a uh, local boy there, Paul Molitor. Also on uh, College Pro Baseball News, they got their top 100 projections coming out. And listen, number 41, Max Meyer from Minnetonka, who plays for the Florida Marlins, or Miami Marlins. There, I said it again, Miami Marlins. They're projecting him to be up in the majors right now in 2022. I'm guessing that's all based off this being a shorter season and stuff like that for time coming up and that. But that's when Max is projected to be up. Could be sooner, could be later, could be with a different team. Who knows? Um, That's that part for the college and high school part of sports want to get into a little tv stuff here on it radio stuff um try not to get into this but this one guy did something kind of the pain dan levitard on espn radio he's i'm not a fan let's put it that way um he had a thing a few years ago was it last year the year before where he wanted the he's one of the writers who gets to vote for the baseball hall of fame he wanted the fans to do it an all-star game voting. He he wanted the fans to do it. It's like, that's not what it's about. You could ask for their opinions and suggestions, but don't tell them their answers are what you're putting on your ballot. He lost his ballot for that. Good. Now, Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic, one of two players who decided to, to stand for the national anthem in the NBA, one of, yeah, one of two players in the entire NBA who decided to stand, uh, in a game, suffered an injury towards ACL. He thought it was funny. Um, he later had to come out and apologize for it. Um, I've heard other players or players and media say it was it was karma. He deserved it. You know what? Someone tear, tears their ACL. I don't care what they did wrong. No one deserves an injury. Okay, never. You could say karma made him have a bad game. Fine, that helps you get through your day. Great. You don't laugh at an injury for a player because he stood for the national anthem. It, yet ESPN will probably keep praising Dan Lebertard because that's been their MO all along, you know. And, of course, how ESPN, if it would have been the other way around, 
they'd have had him fired on the spot because he laughed at a person who stood for the national anthem. He's still going to have a job, which is just horrible. Horrible. But if it was the other way around, oh, they'd all be asking for this host's head and they'd want him fired and everything else, which is the main reason why I hardly at all watch ESPN or follow ESPN at all anymore. Unless I got a baseball game on, I have nothing to do with ESPN. I have not seen a sports center or an E60 or any of their shows hardly at all in years. I think I can count on my one hand the number of their E60s or specials they've done. I did not watch the Michael Jordan special. I don't watch any NBA. I haven't seen an NBA game on there in years. Um, I just, I don't because they've got way too political on their stuff. I used to watch a couple of their talk shows. I don't even watch them anymore because they all got political on it. And it's just sad I, that you watch sports to get away from that, not to hear about it. Uh, getting back into the sports part, NASCAR. Uh, Bubba Wallace, or full name William Darrell Wallace Jr. His crew chief, Jerry Baxter, has been suspended for an incident that took place last week at the Firewoods Resort Casino 301. Um, what happened is he lost his starting spot and was penalized 10 points after a pre-race inspection discovered improper, improperly mounted ballasts. Baxter was at fault because he's the crew chief, which stripped Wallace's car of its starting spot at the race. So he had to go back and, and he was supposed to start 15th. You got to move back to the end of the pack. Now, don't think they're just picking on Bubba. Um, Corey LaJoy's crew chief, Ryan Sparks, was also suspended for the same issue. So he had to go back and lost points. Austin Dillon, number two, Richard Childress Chevrolet, was also forced to the rear due to unapproved adjustments. So it wasn't just Bubba. It's just, again, here since he's been in the news lately, his name comes up first. Austin Dillon, who's pretty good racer, who's going to be up there for the chase. I mean, he's in already. He won a race, but they don't mention him hardly at all. So, oh, by the way. And Corey LaJoy, good, good young racer. He's coming in. Watch his name. He had to go to the back. So that's what happens in NASCAR. Yeah, try to get a little extra edge. They had some stuff in there with the ballasts. Sometimes if the uh, fenders don't match the specs or the fin on the back doesn't match the specs or something with the engine, they just put you at the back. Um, NASCAR does continue again. They have two races this weekend. One Saturday, which I said we're recording this on Saturday morning. You're going to hear it by Sunday when we drop it. But there was a race Saturday and again Sunday. Uh, back-to-back races, and again, August 16th at Daytona this weekend. They're at Michigan. Um, the standings for NASCAR right now, like I said, you win a race, you're in. Top 16 guys are in. They have 10 guys who've qualified for race with race wins already that are in. So congratulations to them. Uh, the last six spots, it looks like uh, there's a 15-point lead for Byron over Reddick at the, for the last spot. Jimmy Johnson's 25 points out. Uh, the other six... Amarella, the Bush brothers, Kurt and Kyle, Clint Boyer, D. Benedetto, and Brian, the ones sitting out, Reddick, Johnson, Join, Jones, and McDowell. McDowell's 125 points out. Kind of out of it, but you never know. He gets a couple good strong finishes and maybe wins a race. Some of these guys I never mentioned, the Bubba Wallaces, the Corey LaJoy's, they win a race, they're in. That pushes everybody else down. Someone we didn't mention wins. That knocks Byron out, puts D. Benedetto in the hot seat at the last spot. So... Always interesting watching that there. And that is, uh, like I said, this weekend is Saturday is the fire keep, 
Fire Keepers Casino 400. Sunday is the Consumers Energy 400. And next Sunday is the Go Bowling 235. And that'll be held at Daytona International Speedway at their road course. Um, so it's not a typical oval. It's a little different. Uh, you can go to their website. I think we put one up on the Facebook page too. A little different. Road course races are kind of fun to watch. It's something a little different. Yeah, they're making right and left turns, you know. Now, road course, so no, they're not going through town like the Indy cars or anything like that. No, it's still on a track, but there's more corners to it and bumps and bruises and stuff like that. Different form of racing, kind of fun, interesting to watch. If you want something besides this regular racing and you kind of like the Indy car stuff instead, give this a watch. It's, it's good, it's fun, it's exciting. Again, it's a different mentality to watch on your pitting strategies and everything else, your passing strategies, because tracks laid out differently. It is exciting. I kind of recommend everybody give that one a watch. Major League Baseball news. I just got a few things I want to bring up. Um, first of all, it was the Miami Marlins. Now it's the St. Louis Cardinals, all with their players testing positive for COVID and all this other stuff. It's been said before, why didn't baseball bubble um, like other teams or other leagues did? Baseball very well could have gone to four or eight different hub cities and bubbled. They very well could have done that. Um, they decided to make teams play at their own stadiums and travel and everything else. They limited travel by redoing the scheduling this year and by redoing um, the playoff format. Fine, everybody thought and hoped it would work. It was you, they were taking a chance, trying to get back to normal. Uh, did they overstep? It depends. Did they overstep? Yes or no? It's did the players follow the rules and listen? Like I said earlier about the high school sports. I'm not a fan of some of the rules and the things they're putting out there, but you know what? If that's what your job says you have to do, do it. If your job says St. Louis Cardinals don't go to the casino that night, don't go. All right? So you suck it up. For the millions you're making, suck it up for 60 days, 65 days, and do it. Um, If you're not, then, you know, thanks for inconveniencing and putting everybody else out. That's just my opinion on it. I, again, that's the joys of this. So I got opinion. I'd love to hear your opinions on a Facebook page. Uh, you can on the Anchor app. You can leave a message there. Call in. Love to hear other people's opinion. Do you blame baseball or do you blame the Marlins and Cardinals players for not players, locker room staff, coaches, everybody, the, the teams for just not following the rules that were laid out that you probably didn't like, but too bad. Follow them. Some teams off to hot starts right now. Um, Chicago Cubs are off to a hot start. Are they for real? I uh, hope not. Because um, I'm not a Cub fan. I just don't see them being in it for the long run. I think they're just off to a hot start. The Padres, they're off to a nice start. That's going to be a tough division down there, the NL West. But I'd like to see the Padres do it. I don't think they, it'd be nice if they could this year. they got a good young team. If they don't this year, I could see them next year or the year after really making a good run. They've signed some players. They've got good young talent, kind of like the Kansas City Royals a few years ago. It might be lightning in a bottle for a couple of years, and then everyone will go for bigger contracts to the bigger cities. But the Padres will be a fun team to watch. Twins and Yankees are off the hot starts. Yeah, I expected that out of those two organizations. I kind of nice to see them keep it up. Um, and the Mets, well, they're just kind of, I think, right now wondering when Syndergaard is going to get back. For next year, uh, speaking of the Mets, we got Cespedes started playing, then decided I don't want to play anymore because of uh, COVID. It's kind of like this this generation's Barry Bonilla, Bobby Bonilla, 
for the contract. Uh, Cespedes signed that four-year, $102 million contract. He's played 251 games. Yeah. And that's for the last four years. So a lot of fans, I mean, I like him as a player. I wish he was healthy, could play for us. But, you know, this is my fear about signing guys with for big, huge deals. The Bobby Bonilla contract, I thought was a great deal. Still is. You know, we, we, we laugh and joke at the Bonilla, Bonilla day when he gets his one point some million dollars a year. But you know what? What is that in baseball money today? Nothing. So he gets it for another 15, 20 years. What's a million dollars a year in baseball salaries now, especially in the next 15, 20 years? Nothing. Yeah, take the take up a roster spot. I don't know how all that works. It takes up money on the cap, yes. But you know what? Again, when you're signing a minor league pitcher for a couple, three million for a few weeks, what's a million dollars? Nothing. Now, did they get out of Benio what they needed out of him? No. So, yes, they lost money on the deal. But was it a smart contract the way it was written? At the time, yeah. At the time, I had no problem with it. Uh, Detroit Tigers pitcher Taylor Alexander against the Reds one day last week struck out nine batters consecutively. That's the entire lineup. Ties on American League record. So that's pretty impressive. Nine straight Ks. That was pretty cool. Um, Also, Major League Baseball, they're going to have their Field of Dreams game. They're going to play down in Iowa on the Field of Dreams. Um, I believe it was originally supposed to be the White Sox and Yankees, I believe. Then they changed it to White Sox and Cardinals because of the COVID stuff. Well, now they decided to cancel the game, which I think they should have canceled from the start. I wasn't a fan of it. I wasn't looking forward to it. If you're going to do it, maybe have it be uh, the first, the last preseason game for Major League Baseball season starts. So you can have a couple of exhibition games there. That I would have been okay with. Now, I know last year, last couple of years for the Little League World Series, they did play one game there. Now, of course, they extended the field, so it was regulation for the, the big boys to play at. That, I guess, I was okay with. This one, I okay with it? No, because it's just a landmark. Why don't you just go where they film the movie Sandlot? Go play a game there. I mean, it's the same thing. It's a movie set you're playing on. I, I don't get it. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. Kind of glad it was canceled. Um, that's my opinion. Again, I'd like to see what your opinion are. Let us know on Facebook. Uh, Twitter, the other social medias we have, again, on our Anchor site, you can have a, leave a message. Do you think they should have a Field of Dreams game every year? And Should there be two set teams always playing it? Should it maybe be the, a rematch of the World Series the year before? Or should it be a, the last preseason game? Do they hold the All-Star game there? What do you, what do you think? Let us know. This is Dan here with an update on football. Not NFL, but XFL. Once again, XFL. Remember, their season started, a 10-game season started this spring. They only completed five games, essentially half the season. Coronavirus came up, and everything was shut down. Well, what happened since then is just Monday, we have an agreement to buy the league. The league went under, they filed a bankruptcy protection and basically dismantle the league, shut everything down. But they're also trying to get investors to buy. Well, this this week, Dwayne The Rock Johnson from pro wrestling fame and a group of investors agreed to buy the XFL for $15 million. Well, now this will be interesting. So a news release just came out. Uh, they bought the league. 
And so back in April 13th, the XFL declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And for the last three months, they've been looking for a buyer. And so they're looking to take over here, uh, keep the ball rolling, starting and playing in the 2021 season. So here's what we've got. A U.S. District Court Judge Lori Silverstein allowed the transaction after the XFL resolved a dispute over the $15 million sales price. So they got that squared away. The investors agreed to that. But the sale also includes nearly $9 million in cure amount payments. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that is. Maybe we can have listeners jump in here. But these are payments due to, to uh, I think, entities or businesses. Um, and so that's a total of $9 million that is included in the deal. And so we know that back in, uh, in a court filing earlier, you know, Vince McMahon filed bankruptcy and he says that he was not going to attempt to buy back the league, which was at first what the plan was. Folks were suspecting he was going to file bankruptcy and then buy it back. And so what we've got here is this is after March coronavirus came on, they shut everything down and Vince McMahon fired commissioner Oliver Luck. Remember that's Andrew Luck's father was the commissioner of the league. He fired him and Oliver Luck in turn sued Vince McMahon. And so there, there's a lot of back and forth here of what's all happening. Uh, and basically, the XFL had to lay off their entire staff, uh, citing the unforeseen impact of the coronavirus pandemic. And that's when McMahon put the league up for sale. And there were some issues with that. Well, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has bought it along with some investors. We'll see what happens here in the upcoming. But they are planning on to move forward, getting everything together starting the 2021 season and playing a full 10 game schedule. So we'll keep you posted on that. Once again, this is Dan with the update on pro football. Birthdays and this week in history for sports and music, sports and songs. I will start with the sports end of it. August 3rd, 1906, Washington Senators, Tim Hughes, Becomes the first major league pitcher to win a one nothing extra inning game off his own home run in the 10th against the St. Louis Browns. 1914, New York Yankees catcher Les Dunmaker throws out three Tiger runners at second base during the first inning. Only time in the 20th century that's happened. So, guy got on first, threw him out at second. Next guy got first, threw him out. So, three guys in a row tried to steal second on him, threw them all out. 1921. Major League Baseball Commissioner Kennesaw Mountain Landis hands out life bans to eight Chicago White Sox players accused of the Black Sox scandal, despite their acquittal by the Chicago jury. 1923, baseball games canceled following the death of U.S. President Warren G. Harding. 
Harding was the 20th, 29th U.S. president um, of the United States. He was only in office for two years until he died. Um, Harding was also officially ranked as one of the worst presidents ever. So if a president dies in office and he's that bad in 20, now 23, he was probably still the best, worst at all time. But canceled games that day following the death of a president. I guess I got no problem with that. Even today's society, I guess I'd have no problem with that. 1987, Twins pitcher Joe Necro is caught with a file in his back pocket on the mound in an 11-3 win versus the Angels. He was ejected and suspended for 10 games. If you remember that game, the uh, home plate umpire comes out. I thought Necro's doing something. He empties his pocket, and as he empties his back pocket, he tosses a fingernail file off to the side because uh, he was a knuckleball pitcher. you got to have sharp nails for that. <clears throat> and they saw it in there. And it was kind of funny. You know, Joe Negro, whatever, he didn't care, <laughs> you know, and it went on. But, yeah, he was suspended 10 games from that. And um, if you can watch the video, it's kind of funny. We wait up to his pocket. He knew it was in there and tried to pitch it off. It was kind of like watching the kid throw away something. Like, no, Mom, I don't have it. Birthdays, 1964, Kevin Elster uh, played for the Mets his first few years there. Uh, birthday, 1964. 1977, Tom Brady, quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Born 1977, August 4th, 1909, Major League Baseball umpire Tim Hurst instigates a riot by spitting in the face of A's second baseman Eddie Collins, who was questioned who questioned a call. Two weeks later, Hurst was banned for life. Collins was nicknamed Cocky Collins. And uh, getting back to our story earlier, in Chicago, Collins continued to be uh, top 10 batting and stole bases. Numbers. Um, he helped the White Sox capture the 1917-1919 pennant. He was part of the Black Sox thrown out for throwing the World Series against the Reds. However, Collins was not accused of being part of conspiracy and was considered to have played honestly, even though he batted only 226 in the playoffs. Uh, August of 24, he was named player manager for the White Sox and held the position through 26 season, posting a record of 174 and 160. And in 1939, he did make the Hall of Fame. Kind of sad. He's part of the Black Sox, has the lowest batting average He make, uh, during the series. Yeah, he makes the Hall of Fame, and Shoeless Joe doesn't. 1910, Major League Baseball pitching duel. A's, Philadelphia A's, Jack Combs and White Sox, Ed Walsh, pitched to a 0-0 tie in 16 innings. So for those who don't like high-scoring games, that would have been a fun game to watch. 2041, Brooklyn Dodgers catcher Mickey Owens becomes the first Major League Baseball player to take three foul pop-ups in one inning, and that was the third inning, and an 11-6 win over the Giants. Talked about earlier about uh, the guy throwing out three runners in a row, three pop-ups in a row. That's pretty cool. 1982, outfielder Joel Youngblood becomes the only Major League, only Major League Baseball player to get hits for two different teams in two different cities on the same day. Single for the Mets in Chicago in a day game, traded, then singles for the Expos in Philadelphia in a night game. 1985, Tom Seaver of the Chicago White Sox becomes the 17th pitcher to win 300 major league career games, beating New York 4-1. 54,000-plus showed up at Yankee Stadium for that game. 1993, Tony Gwynn gets six hits and an 11-10 win over the Giants. Fourth time that season, a Padre, the Padre had five or more hits, tying a major league record. 1995, following a suspension from the league for substance abuse, former Mets outfielder Daryl Strawberry joins the Yankees and eventually helps the uh, Yankees win the 96 World Series. 
Uh, before he came back to the Yankees, Daryl Strawberry did spend half a season with the St. Paul Saints here. Uh, played a little minor league ball, kind of got his swing back, got his timing back, got his life back for a little bit there. And I did go back and get a ring in 96 with the Yankees. 2007, 32-year-old Alex Rodriguez, hopefully soon future owner of the Mets, becomes the youngest player in Major League Baseball history to hit 500 home runs, connect on the first pitch he saw as the Yankees beat Kansas City 16-8 to that day. 2010, on the third anniversary, third anniversary of his 500th home run, A-Rod hits his 600th home run. As the Yankees get a 5-1 win over Toronto, he's the seventh youngest to reach that milestone. Uh, birthdays. Maurice Rocket Richard, uh, Canadians NHL, a Canadian NHL star goalie, played for the Canadians. Uh, he was their MVP in 1947. Maurice Rocket Richard, goalie, birthday. 1942, Cleon Jones, American baseball outfielder. Uh, he was a MVP all star, or all star World Series for the 69 Mets. Was born in Mobile, Alabama, on that day, 1942. 1949, John Riggins, NFL running back from the Jets and the Washington Redskins. Born in 1949. John Reagan's big horse of a man. 1962, Roger Clemens. Uh, birthday. Red Sox, Blue Jays, Yankees, Seven Cy Youngs, MVP, steroids. That Roger Clemens. August 5th, St. Louis Browns pitcher John Wet- Whitehead. No hits the Tigers 4 nothing in six innings as a rain-shortened game. In my opinion, baseball says it's an official game. It's a no-hitter. 1969, Pirates outfielder Willie Stargell smashes first and longest home run ever hit out of Dodger Stadium. Uh, the home run off Alan Foster measures at 506 feet. 1973, Braves pitcher Phil Negro no hits the Padres 9 nothing. The first in the franchise of Atlanta and for Phil Negro, his first and only no hitter also. also. 1980, Montreal Expos. Dick Williams wins his 1,000th career game. 1,000th career game. I'll get it. As a manager in an 11-5 win over the Mets, for whom Doug Flynn hits a major league record tying three triples. So kind of a, that would be a cool box score game to have in their, your collection. Manager gets his 1,000th win. Guy hits three triples. Kind of cool one to have. 1986, Giants left-handed pitcher Steve Carlton becomes the second to reach 4,000 strikeout milestones when he gets Eric Davis to strike out in an 11-5 loss of the Reds. 1992, Cuba wins baseball's inaugural gold medal in the Olympic Games in Barcelona, beating Chinese Taipei 11-1. Japan beat the U.S. 8-3 in the bronze game, bronze medal game. 2001, Cleveland Indians tie a major league record by erasing a, a 12-run Seattle lead to win 15-14, also preventing the Mariners from reaching the 117 wins that season. Uh, most wins in the season by the Mariners that year, who end up losing in the ALCS to the Yankees, who went on to lose the World Series to the Diamondbacks that year. So Arizona wins the World Series, but the Mariners, and they were a wild card team, I believe, that year too. The Mariners have 117 wins, or 116 wins, most of them in baseball time, don't get out of the second round. So just because you make the playoffs with a big record doesn't mean anything. 2013, Major League Baseball bans A-Rod for 211 games as a result of some la- the laboratory scandals. Birthdays, 1937, Coach Herb Brooks, born in St. Paul, coach of the Miracle Hockey Team in 80, was cut from the 60 hockey team, uh, Minnesota guy, 
coached uh, Gophers, coached, like I said, the Merkel team, coached in the NHL for a while. Uh, great man, Herb Brooks' birthday passed away in 2003. 1968, John Olerud, infielder for the Toronto Blue Jays and the Yankees, was born in Seattle, Washington that day, 1968. August 6th, 1937, Major League Baseball overturns the Yankees' 7-3 win over the Cleveland Indians because of an umpire error. Where are those rules today? 1941, Tigers pitcher Al Benton collects two sacrifices in one inning, a major league record, and a 12-2 win against Cleveland. 1952, St. Louis Browns veteran pitcher Satchel Page, 46, becomes the oldest pitcher to win a complete shutout. one nothing against the Tigers in 12 innings. 46 years old, complete game shutout, 12 innings, one nothing. 1967, Minnesota Twins pitcher Dean Chance throws a perfect no-hitter versus the Red Sox, 2-0 in five innings before the game is called because of weather. <clears throat> Excuse me. Again, five innings. Baseball says it's a game. Good enough for me. 1986, Baltimore's Jim Dwyer and Larry Sheets and Rangers, and Rangers Toby Hara hit Major League record three grand slams in Texas's 13-11 win. 1965, and this one kind of surprised me. I kind of thought for sure this had happened before. Cleveland's major league sports franchises, the NFL Browns and MLB's Indians, play in Cleveland for the first time ever. They both lost. The Indians lost to the White Sox 5-1, and the Browns lost an NFL exhibition game to the Giants in 1913. Um, August 7th, 1903, Tommy Cochran sets a major league record for shortstops when he records 14 assists in Cincinnati's 4-2 win against St. Louis. 2007, San Francisco Giants slugger Barry Bonds hits his 756th career home run to break Hank Aaron's long-standing record. Birthdays, 1929, Don Larson, American pitcher, pitched uh, nationally for the, uh, or pitched American League for the Yankees, but he pitched for the teams too. Only person to pitch a perfect game in the World Series, Game 5 in 56. Uh, he was an MVP of that series for the Yankees, too. He was born in Michigan City, Indiana. Don Larson just died last year, too, 2019. So, This is Dan with the Town Team Baseball Wrap-Up. Today I'll be covering Region 7C Amateur Town Team Baseball, essentially the Crow River Valley League. Here we go. Here's the results of the tournament that started Thursday. I went to this game. Carver came to Waconia. Waconia won 7-6 to six in 10 innings. Extra inning baseball game there uh, with a walk-off home run at the bottom of the 10th by Fredericks in for Waconia. Frederick came up with as 0-4 for 4 for the night, came up to the plate 0-4 for 4 with three strikeouts and one out, bottom of the 10th. Unloads on a home run solo blast to right field to end the game in walk-off fashion. Waconia was the number one seed, so it wasn't really a surprise there. Carver, the number eight seed, playing very well. Once Carver got into the Waconia bullpen, they started doing some of their damage there. But that was a fun game, nonetheless, to attend on Thursday. Now, Friday, Friday night, Young America shut out Cologne in a good game. Young America beat them 6 to nothing, And so Young America 
went on then in the next round to face Waconia. And Cologne goes to the loser's bracket to face Carver in an elimination game today that's actually going on right now as we speak. Today is August 9th. Now, Saturday's games, three games on Saturday. Number one, Watertown, the number three seed, took on Green Isle, the sixth seed. Watertown beat them 10-3. to Watertown advances to a game that will be played tonight, Sunday night, and Green Isle drops down to a consolation game, which will be played, I think it's going on right now. There was some weather. Some of these games were delayed, and I think that game is going on right now. So that was 10-3, to Watertown, number three seed, beating Green Isle. Green Isle will be playing for their lives now tonight. The other game on Saturday, Mayer in an upset, beat number two, Winstead, 8-1. to And if you get a chance to watch my 7C playoff preview on YouTube, it is out there. It does mention that number eight seed, I'm sorry, number seven seed, Mayer, may perhaps be the dark horse here with the talent that they've got on their squad. Uh, that sh- uh, proved true on Saturday when they won eight to one over Winstead. Winstead's the number two seed. Now is are playing uh, the game right now against Green Isle, where the loser goes home, and the season is done, uh, and the winner will advance to the next to the next round. So Mayor upset, winning eight to one over Winstead. Then on the winners bracket, in a state playoff birth game on Saturday, Young America upset number one seed Waconia and did so in seven to nothing fashion. Young America has punched their ticket to qualify for the state state tournament. We've still got a couple rounds of games to go here, but they are locked in as a state entrance berth. Waconia lost, and so they're going to be playing next uh, next weekend in the games, uh, in elimination games. If they lose, they will not be getting into the playoffs, uh, but they will be trying to win to get in as four teams make the playoffs from this section, four teams. We already know Young America got in with that convincing win yesterday. So Young America's in. They will take on the winner of the Watertown Mayor game that's going to be tonight in Watertown, 7 p.m. Sunday night. That'll be a big game. Winner gets an automatic berth to the state tournament. Loser will play in the consolation round. Good game that will be. Now, what happened today with the weather, we had two elimination games going on. Carver versus Cologne was supposed to be 11 a.m. game. They got four innings in. The rains came. And after a 105-minute rain delay, they got back in action. This is an elimination game. The team that loses here will be done for the season. The team that wins will go on to play next uh, next, next week. And so Carver has been to the state three straight times. Now, we all know Cologne went last year in that Cinderella season that they had last year. But Carver was up in this game. Last I checked, it was 9-1. to 9-1 to one Carver. And uh, it looks like right here, the last I see, 
It is bottom of the ninth. And it looks like we've got a looks like we have a final. Nine to one. They went into the bottom of the ninth. And Carver or Cologne, sorry, Cologne at home facing elimination of the bottom of the ninth did get a did get a guy on. And a home run was hit by Kyle Brazil. Kyle Brazil hit a two-run homer to make it 9-3. That game now ends. Cologne is done. Carver will advance on. Carver, remember, eight seed, number eight seed. They've got some talent on that team. Uh, this afternoon, a few minutes ago, they just eliminated the Cologne Hollanders from the postseason just now, winning 9-3. So what we'll see here this afternoon is Green Isle against Winstead, an elimination game. We'll cover that later on. And then tonight in the state tournament berth, Watertown Mayor. Watertown versus Mayor. Winner there will advance to go to the state, punch their ticket to the state. Loser will be fighting for their life back in back in the consolation. That's all I've got. I'll probably do a midweek preview for Region 7C. That's all I've got for that. All right, this is Dan with the album review of the week on sports and songs. This week, Foo Fighters, There Is Nothing Left to Lose is our recording of the week. This was released November 2nd, 1999. And recorded in Studio 606 in Alexandria, Virginia. It's 46 minutes, 19 seconds long. It's considered post-grunge and alternative rock. There is Nothing Left to Lose is the third studio album by American rock band Foo Fighters. Released by Roswell and RCA Records, it marked the first appearance of drummer Taylor Hawkins and is often seen as a departure from the band's previous work, showcasing a softer, more experimental sound. Dave Grohl has stated that the album was totally based on melody and that it might be his favorite album that they've ever done. There Is Nothing Left to Lose went on to win the Grammy Award for Best Rock Album in 2001, marking the band's first win. Prior to recording, guitarist Franz Stahl was fired from the band as frontman Dave Grohl left the guitarist, felt the guitarist uh, had not found his place in the band. At that point, Grohl decided that the band would just be a three-piece for this record. And so with Nate Mendel, the bassist, Taylor Hawkins, the drummer, and Dave Grohl, the lead guitarist and vocalist, they moved forward to record this. Dave Grohl bought a house in Alexandria, Virginia, and wanted to make the record in the basement without any record company presence during the production. This was helped by Foo Fighters leaving Capitol Records after President Gary Gersh left the label. Grohl named the home facility Studio 606, saying it's just one of those numbers that you see everywhere. It's like when you wake up in the middle of the night and it's 606, or you see a license plate that says 606. The other thing that did on this album 
to make the recording, they wanted to make the recording sound good, and they didn't want to use any computer programs such as Pro Tools or Auto-Tune. So they wanted to leave it with a raw, clean feel to it. Dave Grohl notes in the in the album, he says that he's been living, he had been living in Los Angeles for about a year and a half, just getting drunk, getting messed up every night and doing horrible shit. I'd finally gotten sick of the new car smell. <laughs> so he bought this house, this great house in Virginia, and told everyone he was building a studio in the basement. But it really was literally a basement that had sleeping bags hanging on the walls. In 2006, later, Grohl stated that it was all about just getting settling into the new next phase of your life, that place where you can sit back and relax because there's been so much crazy shit in the past three years. At that point, it was me, Taylor, Nate. We were best friends. It was one of the most relaxing times of my whole life. All we did was eat chili, drink beer and whiskey, and record whenever we felt like it. When I listen to that record, it totally brings me back to that basement. I remember how it smelled, how it was in the spring. So the mic, so the windows were open and we could do our vocals until you could hear the birds coming through the microphone. And more than any other record I've ever done, that album does it to me. Girl stated before, even stated before, that the band would have a barbecue each day after recording. The title emerged to Grohl as he talks to a friend about when you experience these emotions after you've been through a long, difficult period and you finally give in to feeling that, quite simply, there is nothing left to lose. It can seem positive, desperate, and reckless. Grohl also says that it represented the band's mood during production. We just wrote off and played like all bets were off. No one was there forcing us to be there, so it had to be fun. The songs had to be the best we could possibly come up with at the time. Once the album was ready, the band signed with RCA Records to distribute the album. For promotion, the label focused on getting the Foo Fighters brand out there, setting up the band's official website, and arranging appearances on broadcast television. While the album was recorded as a three-piece, Grohl decided that he still needed to have a second guitarist for the live performances. After open auditions in which 35 musicians were tested, the band hired lead uh, guitarist Chris Shiflett, whom Grohl considered the best guitarist and singer who auditioned, and he fit in very well with the rest of us, particular for his background in punk rock bands. In September 1999, the band performed club dates in New York, Los Angeles, both to showcase the new songs and also to test Shiflett's performance within the group. Early pressings of this disc included a temporary tattoo similar to one featured on the album cover. The tattoo is the two Fs. It's the Foo Fighters logo. They went on to win two Grammys. Best Rock Album in 2001 was There Is Nothing Left to Lose. They won the Grammy for that. And the song Learn to Fly won in the category of Best Short Form Music Video. When we won for Best Rock Album, which made which we made in my basement, I was so proud because we made it in my basement in a crappy makeshift studio that we put together ourselves. 
I stood there looking out at everybody in tuxedos and diamonds and fur coats. And I thought we were probably the only band that won a Grammy for an album made for free in a basement that year. That's what Dave Grohl said in an interview in 2012. Here's the track listings. Song one, Stacked Actors. Song two, Breakout. That's what I played in the pre-episode pre here of the show, Breakout. Song three, Learn to Fly. Song four, Gimme Stitches. Song five, Generator. Song six, Aurora. Seven, Live in Skin. Eight, Next Year. Nine, Headwires. Ten, Ain't It the Life. And 11, MIA. In 1999, they released Learn to Fly. January of 2000, they released Stacked Actors. A few months later, they released Generator. Then they released Breakout. And at the end of the year, they released the song Next Year. So five songs were released as singles in this group. Five songs released as singles. The album went on to sell good making it platinum, registering as platinum. And a hidden note, Stacked Actors, the song Stacked Actors was a playable song in the game, video game guitar hero, Metallica. So this is a very good album, recommend it. It's got some good hard rock. It's also got a kind of a grunge punk rock feel to it. It's got a post grunge and a little bit of an alt alt-rock, alternative rock feel to it. Once again, this was their third studio album by the Foo Fighters. That's all I've got for today. I'll leave you with this. Uh -huh.